Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to episode number 243 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is October 22nd, 2012. Got a big show for you this week on the Peristyle Podcast following USC's 50 to 6 thumping of the Colorado Buffaloes. We got a lot of questions to get to. We have Dan Weber coming up a little bit later on in the show. He's the USCfootball.com beat writer. We'll have Coach Harvey Hyde. In the first segment, Gavik sharing his thoughts on what happened in the game. We had a lot of questions, like I said. If you have any questions or comments for us, drop us an email. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. Or you can leave us a voicemail two different ways. Call 206-888-6755. Leave a brief voicemail and we will play it on the air. Or you can go right to peristylepodcast.com and leave us a voicemail there and like i said we have coach harvey hyde in the first segment we got him i think he's i think he's back in la i don't think he's in vegas or catalina or anything like that what's up coach how you doing well i'm in la i'm doing great uh i'm looking maybe forward to a little rain here at the beginning of the week but it was a great weekend congratulations to the trojans i think the colorado game came at a perfect time before a home crowd records were broken a nice feeling players were smiling Good at it. Good feeling. Good attitude. Uh, confidence builder. Always things to work on, though, to get better. Did we get better during the Colorado game? These are the questions as far as coaches are talking about. The penalty situation, they've got to work on that. I'd like to comment on that somewhere during the show. Sure. And then, and then of course, you know, the Walker situation, it looks as though he's going to be all right. I mentioned yesterday on our Trojan Brunch show, it didn't look serious to me, and I'm glad it wasn't the Hayward situation. He's gone for the year. I guess he had ankle surgery. And uh, Buchanan, I guess, uh, he's going to go uh, be gone for the year, too. So this happens in the game of football. And uh, other people step up. Other people got to be ready to play. But congratulations to the entire USC football team. Two records were set. Many different types of those two records. Uh, we don't want to get into all of that. But it doesn't happen without a team effort. And it came at a perfect time before we now get into murderous stretch where you're going to find out who we are and who they are. Because this next week's game is a must game for both teams. Both teams. Because SC's got to win this game. Because if they don't, they've got two losses in the Southern Division. And it would be difficult for them to get to the championship game. Arizona State only has one loss in the Southern Division which would mean you'd have to have Arizona beat Arizona State and all these different things have to happen. So the Trojans are in control of their own destiny. They're in control of their own destiny. They could even lose to Oregon and still get in the championship game and still go to the Rose Bowl or whatever. But you got to play them one at a time. And, Ryan, I'm sorry I was uh, so long on this opening, but I think <laughs> we need to congratulate the team a little bit. You know, it's great to see the kids not hanging their heads but happy about Reading the paper on Sunday morning and 
walking out of the locker room and seeing their parents and girlfriends and going out to dinner, not worrying about what people are thinking. I think you're right, Coach. And uh, before we jump into all that, I just wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Uh, USC goes on the road this weekend, but comes back and plays a whole bunch of games in L.A., the remaining games on the schedule. So if you need tickets, you can go to sctickets.com. Uh, three of them in the Coliseum. I think there's one over there in the Rose Bowl, USC's other home game. But uh, sctickets.com or call 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for any of the remaining USC games or anything else, any other sporting event or concerts, theater, you can go to sctickets.com. And Coach, you mentioned the mood, and I think – I think it wasn't just important for the fans, but I think it was, I mean, for the team, but it was also important for the fans having a a good feeling at a home game where it wasn't like you scored some points in the first half and then kind of, it kind of just petered out in the second half. It was fun to see, you know, Matt Barkley break the record, Robert Woods break the record, the video tribute. I think the fans had a lot of fun with, and then seeing some of the backups come in and Max Wittick throwing a touchdown pass and Cody Kessler completing a pass. I mean, I think it was just fun for everyone. And it was a, it was a good feeling coming after that game where even some of the wins previously coach, they didn't have that kind of good feeling, but it it seemed like psychologically it was good for the team and for the fans, for the whole program. It was good for the broadcasters. Don't forget us and the media. It was nice to be able to relax a little bit and uh, not bite your nails all the way to the end of the game. If you're an SC fan, of course, if you're a football fan out there, you'd like to see the best team win, but it it was a great feeling and uh, I enjoyed it. I think people enjoyed it. Of course, you're always uh, uh, trying to critique. Uh, did we get better? Did we need to, need to do different things? Are we going to be ready for Arizona? Arizona, a very powerful team at this time, a very dangerous team at this time. Not just Arizona, but all of them. But you got to play one game at a time. I think it was just great timing. It was family day. So mostly all the families were there, of all the players and students and it was just a, a great day, yet uh, a very satisfying win, let's put it that way. Gained a lot of confidence, uh, and it's now time to move on. You can't celebrate any longer. They forgot about that game. You forget about that game Sunday morning. When you come in as a coach and you start looking at the videos and players come in today to look at the game and move on, that game is history. Anything you did in that game is over with. It's time now to work on the Wildcats. Certainly, Coach. And uh, you mentioned the the penalty situation. I guess if there's one issue that USC can take away from this, and Lane Kiffin devoted his entire halftime speech to the the penalties, uh, ten penalties in this game. It wasn't a perfect game, you know, fifty to six. There, there's a lot that went right, but you wanted to to comment on the penalties. I guess I'll let you do that here. Well, I do want to comment on them, and you know, when he brought the team together at halftime. I wasn't sure if he was talking about the penalties, but I thought he was talking about two more about, hey, guys, now we played a good first half. We've been criticized, and we know we haven't played well in the second half. It's time now to go in. Let's get it done for 20 minutes. Let's come out here and play like we did in the first half to second half. I thought he was giving them that talk. That's probably what I would have done at that time. The penalty issue, I don't know if I'd addressed it then, but I would have addressed it. And, you know, a couple of things I want to mention on the penalties. We've talked about this a lot, but I don't want to – I just want to take one incident. That's all I want to do. Yes, they were penalized, uh, 10 penalties for 90 yards. They lead the nation in penalties, all that. Okay. Uh, If you have a team good enough to overcome that, fine. If you don't, though, when you get into big games like the games to come, you can't have those type of penalties. So let's don't talk about that. I want to address the Leonard Williams penalty. 
uh, read an article in the Times yesterday morning where someone was writing a column, and you all know who it is, but I don't want to just say, if you read the Times, who it was, because I don't like to do that. But this individual has never played football. This individual doesn't know what the game of football is about. This individual is quick to say what Leonard Williams did. Now, I'm not saying it was justifiable, but what he did should go to the commissioner's office, which it is, and the commissioner should decide if he should be suspended for a game or a half a game or whatever. First of all, I don't think anything should happen to Leonard Williams. What I mean by that, what he did was completely wrong. If someone did spit in his face, that's a natural reaction that any person would do on the street or anywhere. Should he have done that? No. But it's an emotional reaction. Do you ever blow your horn at a car on the freeway when someone cuts you off? Do you think about blowing it first or do you blow it? I don't know. I normally blow my horn if a guy is coming into my lane. Well, that was a reaction. Now, he was penalized. The team was penalized. And he was tossed off out of the game and removed from the field. Now, I think it becomes a coach's situation now. The coaches deal with Leonard Williams on what they want to do. He's a great kid. He's a great player. And we're getting now into the meat of the schedule. And should he be suspended? A lot of you out there probably say he should be. He should be thrown off the team, whatever. Fine. But you're not the coach and you're not Leonard Williams. And he's a great kid. I'm saying the commissioner to mind about what he's doing, not be Roger Goodell. Worry about getting Pac-12 Network on DirecTV, would you? Or doing things like that. Don't worry about team issues. So I would think that Coach Giffen and his staff would handle that with Leonard Williams and not take it to a level where this kid is suspended. I'm just saying that. Now, I'm a player's coach. So I'm going to support my players, and I'm going to discipline my players, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that with my players. But I don't want someone to tell me that I have to sit this kid down when he's already embarrassed. He's already been thrown out of the game. We've already been penalized. And now when someone in his career, he's going to take a half away or a game away from him for that. I just don't buy that. People can argue with me. I know it hurt the team. But you move on, and that's my statement. All right, uh, so that's pretty clear, Coach. <laughs> Where are you feeling going on with that? We'll see what Lane Kiffin does this week to try to address the overall penalty situation. Well, like you said, 10 more penalties is uh, unacceptable. Um, let's go to, we have a question from Earl in uh, West L.A., and he says, I know many traditional thinkers on the subject probably concerned that Silas Red and Curtis McNeil only carried the ball three times against Colorado, but in spite of the criticism, the last two and a half years, Lane Kiffin has proven himself to be a pretty smart coach. I'm guessing, since Kiffin knew they would beat Colorado, he was keeping his backs fresh for Arizona, a game that is a must-win for USC and require uh, controlling the ball to keep an explosive Wildcat offense off the field. What do you think about maybe uh, saving some of those running backs, Coach, heading into the uh, Arizona game? Well, personally, I don't think you save anybody. Uh, when you go to war... You normally use the Air Force, the Army, the Marines, the Navy, the whole thing. And you utilize it where you can be successful and you can win the battles and end up winning the war. I don't think you go into any game saying, oh, we're not going to run or we're going to save our backs or whatever. I think that 
Uh, and uh, believe me, I'm, I'm with no uh, you know negativism in this, but I want to say I would think that going into a game like Colorado, yes, it's important to set, set records, but you know we all understand Colorado. In fact, in the pregame show, I said USC would cover, and everybody said, "Hey, coach, what are you talking about?" What I said, they will beat Colorado by more than 40 points that this team is a team that you use to get better in all facets of your game. Records are great, but records come with victories. And I think great it's great to be smiling and having fun. But do you think the backs are really happy today? Do you think the running game got better on Saturday? The passing game looked great. Uh, I think that when you have an opportunity to utilize all of your forces and to get better, I think if they, they carried the, they had 23 rushes in the game, 10 of them by, were by D.J. Morgan. I think McNeil carried the ball three times, Red maybe once or twice, and caught a pass. I think you're not utilizing and getting your timing with the backs and the line and your running offense in tune. They've got to see that under live fire. Not just in practice, because you're not hitting that much in practice right now. And the backs have got to gain the same type of confidence with their offensive line as the receivers are gaining with the quarterback and the passing rounds. So, yes, it was great to be able to set records, but I think also you could have benefited your running game a little bit more, as they did in the last part of the game with D.J. Morgan. By the way, I thought he looked very good. He's going to be a great back in the future. And I like them stretching the field towards the end of the game. Earlier in the game, they only ran the toss once or twice. In fact, in the first quarter, I think they only ran the ball one time. One time, you started off winging the ball and and letting it fly and having success. You scored two touchdowns in the first two minutes or 50 seconds, I think. I don't remember what it was. First touchdown in 50 seconds, then you got a fumble and you scored another one. But I think you've got to utilize all facets of your game to be able to be better. So I think that you don't save things. You like to think that's a reason. If that's his reason, that's great. Then he did what he wanted to do. Uh, He won. He accomplished his goal. But I always come into a game, like I said last week, I want to look at it as a coach on Sunday morning. I come in, did we get better in all areas? Did we we get better in in the kicking game? Did we get better in the passing? Did we get better in our rushing game? Were we better as a football team? And I think that's what you have to work on in order to get ready for what's coming up because you won't have that opportunity to get a lot of these teams you're going to play. Now, Arizona's given up a lot of points. So I don't know if it's going to be a scoring race or not, but I know they scored 48 points on Stanford, and I know they lost to them in overtime. So I know they scored a lot of points this year, So, and they've given up a lot of points. So you're going to have, your, have to have your arsenal ready and be prepared for what could be, could be, I don't know what's going to happen, a shootout. It could be, Coach. And uh, speaking of Arizona, we, we did get a couple of questions on that and, and comparing the Arizona offense to what you see played up in uh, Eugene at Oregon, both Melvin and uh, JJB wrote in pretty much the same question talking about the Arizona game, uh, saying maybe I'm, I'm wrong, but the Arizona offense looks quite a bit like the Oregon offense. Is that an advantage 
for a defense, it's almost as if you're preparing defensively for Oregon a week earlier without actually looking ahead to Oregon. Do you see any similarities there, Coach? And is that an advantage for this USC team? Well, that's going to be an advantage. It's going to be an advantage to see them before you see Oregon. I don't know uh, if it's an advantage to see those offenses any time. I mean, they're really outstanding. In fact, the rest of the year, except for Notre Dame, they all run the same stuff. Basically, almost the same stuff. Arizona State, Arizona, UCLA, uh, Notre Dame runs a different type of offense. You know, you're going to see this hurry-up type of offense, spread, wildcat, play-action pass, hit, hit quick dive plays. You're going to see this. So I think uh, – and I think – Arizona does it very well. Rich Rodriguez uh, brings a lot of nastiness to that offense, too. I'm not quite sure where they are nationally, but I think they've been averaging 458 yards a game. I think they're the fifth top offensive football team in the country. So it's going to be a real effort to slow them down. Uh, They're very similar to Oregon. In fact, you know, when you look at this, it's really funny – they play Oregon up there, and they got to be 49 to nothing. But they they drove down the field, and that's what happens in close big when games play. They had turnovers. Turnovers make the difference in football games when great teams play. They have turnovers up up there, and it looked as though they got spanked real bad, 49 to nothing. But in the first quarter and first half, they drove the ball pretty good against Oregon. So uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a real battle, and I it certainly is going to help SC before Oregon, but I think what you got to worry about before Oregon is Arizona. Yeah, you don't want to look ahead. Uh, it's a, certainly a losable game out there in the desert, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, this question came in, Coach, before uh, the Colorado game, but I think it still applies. It's about third downs, and, and just for the record, USC, I believe, finished two out of six uh, third downs in the Colorado game. Not a whole lot of third downs. Matt Barkley only faced two and converted one so there wasn't really it wasn't really a third down factor in this last game but i think this still applies uh to this usc team going forward oh i agree this uh jd from dc this is a question for coach hyde uh coach hyde uh looking at our willful third down efficiency like less than 20 percent and ranked what 110th in the nation among d1 schools i'm not sure how much lower you can go doesn't this inevitably have to fall on the play calling and therefore the people who are calling the plays? I mean, how, how, how can you not draw that conclusion, particularly with the skill players and the talent we have on this team? How can the offensive coordinator of this team escape criticism for that statistic? Fight on. And thank you for your call. Uh... I think it falls on the team. You know, a lot of times you have drop balls. A lot of times you have penalties. A lot of times you put yourself in a position when you have third and long, which they've had a lot of. You don't stay on schedule because you're stopping yourself. And, again, of course, you're calling some plays that shouldn't be called, and maybe you could call a a curl route to the tight end. If you watch the NFL on third down and fives and five and eight yards ago, they're throwing the curl route to the slot. They're throwing the curl out to the curl out to the tight end and, and different things. So, yes, a lot of it is contributed by play calling, but a lot of it also is contributed to penalties. A lot of it's contributed to drop passes. A lot of it's contributed to different different things. You're not going to beat great teams if you can't convert on third down. This past weekend, there were only two punts in the entire game. 
Colorado punted once. NSC punted once. So there wasn't a lot of third-down conversions in the whole game when you consider that. There was a lot of turnovers to take the ball away. I thought possibly that Colorado, uh, I thought they, not possibly, I thought they had a great game plan in, in, against SC. They moved the football against USC's defense, against with kids that weren't great athletes, but I thought they had their game plan was really a good game plan. They stopped themselves. They really stopped themselves. So uh, third down conversions are so important, but you got to put yourself in a position, too, where you have an opportunity to stop or to convert a third down. You can't always be third and 17s and uh, convert a third down, but you got to stay on schedule. It's got to be third down and five. It's got to be third down and two. It can't be always third down and 10 or 12 because you've had two incomplete passes or whatever, no gain. So I think third down conversions uh, are really important, but there's a lot of reasons that contribute to what SC has done. I, I don't know. They were two of six before that. I forget what they were, but they were ranked low in the nation as far as third down conversions. And if you're going to be great teams, I'm going to tell you that right now, that ain't going to happen. You're going to lose. Uh, all right, let's go to Mark. we got a couple more for you. Coach, before we let you go, um, Mark's a little critical of you, Coach. He's He uh, doesn't like how critical you've been of Lane Kiffin, so we'll read what his question is and you can respond. He says, Great. <laughs> Lane Kiffin was 10-2 last year and 5-1 and one this year. This was sent in before uh, the Colorado game. He's actually 6-1 and one now. Or 15-3 and three, uh, for the last season and a half. But if you listen to Coach Harvey Hyde each week, you would think he's 3-15 and 15 over that same period of time. Kiffin is playing with less than 70 players versus 85. He played four of six on the road, gone coast to coast. Doesn't don't you think his uh, doesn't he think that his expectations are too high? I doubt he ever went fifteen and three at UNLV with playing twenty percent fewer players. So, Mark doesn't like your criticism, Coach. If maybe you can respond to him. Hey, Mark, uh, mine are just opinions. Okay, uh, I tried to uh, I try to be objectively. I, I try to do this not as a homer. The show. I try to do it as a real football fan like yourself, Mark, and others want to hear what my opinion is. Uh, I am not critical, overly critical, unless there's a reason to be. Uh, He has done a great job at USC. In fact, at media day, I went up to Coach Kiffin in front of T.J. Simers, and he was interviewing Lane, and I said, excuse me for a minute. I said, T.J., hasn't he done a great job at USC? T.J. stopped and looked at me, and I said, by the way, my name's Harvey Hyde. He says, I know who you are. Lane Kiffin looked over at me, gave me a wink, and the next day they wrote a positive article on Lane Kiffin. I like Lane Kiffin. In fact, every game at home on the pregame show when he walks in front of, on the Trojan Walk, when he runs walks in front of the ESPN broadcast and where I stand, I mention him, and he gives me the fight on sign. He knows that if he – I don't even know if he listens, okay? But he knows that if I am critical, it's not personal. And I have a great relationship with him and a great relationship with the entire coaching staff. I respect him. I was a coach. Everything is never ever perfect. But I think, too, I owe something to our listeners – to say, okay, it's Sunday morning, this is what I see, 
and this is what I think should happen. I think every one of you out there feel as I do. You'd like to see a perfect game, a perfect score, a perfect everything, but that never happens. You all know the perfect things. I could sit down and you guys could send me in and say, wasn't that a great pass? And I'd say it certainly was. And by the way, let me tell you this now, Matt Barkley had a great day, 19 of 20 with one drop. And those weren't easy passes, guys. Those had to be perfect passes right in there, a foot either way on some of these passes, and they would have been incomplete. So I can tell you all the good things. If you want me to do that, I'll do that, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you honestly how I feel. And uh, if I do upset a lot of our listeners, I apologize. But I think you'd rather have me be honest and disagree with me and think uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about than to try to smokescreen it. And I think that's why I like doing this, because I have this opportunity to talk to all of you the way it really is. And by the way, uh, 15 and 3, yeah, well, my, I had one season. In fact, they put our team in the Hall of Fame two weekends ago. We were 11 and 2. And we, I've had some good seasons. We won four national championships in junior college. And I didn't do that. The team did that. My coaches did that. I had great, great coaches and great, great players. And I was so fortunate that they were able to do that. Now, I'm, that's the way I answer that question. Yeah, Coach, and just to come to your defense a little bit, too, I, I think a lot of what we talk about ends up being questions that are sent in. So if you guys ask a lot of questions about, well, why is the third down conversion bad or why is this or why is that, um, I mean, you're going to get answers. And I think Dan Weber and Coach Harvey Hyde do it, you know, do a really good job of sharing what their thoughts are and coming from different perspectives. You know, coach has done this before he's been out there and, and done it. So I think you, you get a unique perspective from talking to someone like that. But a lot of what we talk about, I mean, 90% of what we talk about is driven by questions that they sent in from all the, the listeners. And I think a lot of times when they're frustrated, even after wins, that's what we end up talking about. And then, you know, coach doesn't really have much of a choice. I mean, he could pump, yeah. he, he could be a sunshine pumper, but I don't think that's what you want. No, 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 and, and uh, Mark, I, I want you to keep listening too, okay? And uh, I'd like you to call in and ask me a question. We'd like to, and do it by telephone, because I'd like to meet you. And if you come to one of the games, I'd love to talk to you there about it. All right, Coach, thanks for that. We got one last one, and this I think you'll love this one, Coach. It's from Chris Davis, 1965 USC alumni. He's talking about uh, the podcast from October uh, 15th. Um, last week's podcast, and, and just so people remember, that was a game where USC pretty much ran the ball almost exclusively and, and didn't throw the ball that much, uh, unlike this last game, the Colorado game, where USC threw the ball over the field and really didn't run the ball much. But Chris, uh, Chris says, as a blocking dummy from 1962 to 1965 and a lifetime Trojan a, a football alumni member, I can remember John McKay saying that with a pass play, only three things can happen, two of which are bad, incomplete, or interception. And we had Bill Nelson and, and Pete Bethard as our quarterbacks. Not too bad. And that's from Chris Davis, again, 1965 USC alumni. And I remember him saying that. John McKay, great guy, great coach. Uh, I really respected him. He's one of my idols. And uh, that's right. What he says is true. He didn't uh, really throw the ball a lot. When they did throw it, they were very successful. He had great receivers. They lined up and just pounded you to death. They did it darn good. That's when uh, USC was called tailback U. 
and had that reputation for many, many years. And now it's uh, still tailback youth, don't get me wrong. But also they now throw the ball more than than they have in the past. But, you know, everyone is. Everyone is forced to because they high-powered offenses that are out there that, you know, Alabama just plays great, great defense and a very conservative offense that just pounds you to death and, and uh, gets field position and never makes a mistake. or And uh, that's why they're real good. So, yeah, I remember that. And uh, uh, you're our USC Rudy. I don't know. Yeah, see, he was a tackling dummy. That's got to be a t- tough job, Coach, especially back then. Man, that, I, I would think that would be rough. I know how tough it is because I used to have kids do that. It's 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 not. He used to remember when they used to say, "Give us some linemen, or give us a defensive back, or give me a fullback," and the guy would say, "Oh gosh, here we go again." <laughs> the guy would go up to the drill at six foot, and he'd leave the drill at five ten. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Well, thanks for uh, sending in that question and, and comment. I guess you could say. And coach, thank you for coming on the show and sharing all your insights, positive, negative. We get the whole. Nine yards. I think next week a little bit more interesting going on the road to Arizona. Last big road trip, uh, you know, last big road test, uh, you know, outside of Los Angeles. So it should be interesting. And thank you. And thank all of our listeners out there. Because without you, we wouldn't have a show. I enjoy very much answering the questions to all of you, for all of you out there. And as I told you earlier, you know, uh, it's just my opinion. Everyone's got one. Thanks, Ryan. Oh, no, thank you, Coach, and everyone else. Hey, back in 30 seconds, we're going to get Dan Weber on the line. You'll talk to him about some USC football questions as well, beating Colorado and heading into the Arizona game. So stay tuned, 30 seconds away. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We are back here on the Peristyle Podcast talking USC football. And we got Dan Weber. He is the beat writer for uscfootball.com. What's going on, Dan? How are you? Uh, doing good. Doing, doing, doing uh, significantly better. And not just after Saturday. It's interesting. People were saying... You know, and you get emails from people who say, boy, did you enjoy Saturday? I said, you know what? I actually enjoyed Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday because they practiced like they played Saturday those three days. So those are about the most enjoyable uh, days of practice all year because basically they practice quick and hard and, uh, you know, throwing the ball, getting ready for this game. So uh, uh, I enjoyed the practices a lot. Yeah, it's kind of nice to see them actually practice similar to way they came out and played. Like sometimes we've seen it work the opposite if it was a great week of practice and didn't play all that well, but it it kind of worked a lot better this week. Yeah, I mean, you could really tell. They loved going hard, going fast, getting in. I mean, there were days I think they got three times as many plays in, as we had seen in, in, in you know some of the uh, practice weeks. And yet, what was so interesting, they get to the game, they play fast, 
score a lot of points, you know, complete a lot of passes, uh, play almost perfect, and yet they only ran 48 plays the whole day, which is just, you know, by far the, you know, the fewest of the year. And we had been kind of not real happy with the fact that they were down to, you know, the mid sixties and the, you know, had uh, per game in running plays. And that was the lowest in the pack in the pack 12. And here they come out on a 48 play day and the offense just goes crazy. So uh, you never know, but I guess if your quarterback completes 19 of 20 and the 20th is right in the guy, uh, you know, somebody's hands and just isn't caught and has a perfect day, you're probably going to feel pretty good about your offense, especially if you're throwing the ball down the field. Yeah, there were a lot of, uh, I guess you could say, normally low percentage passes, and, and Robert Woods or Marquis Lee would make great catches. Not that the throws were there, too, but there were plays that looked like they, the coverage was pretty good, but the USC quarterback, the USC receivers, just they made a better play than what the Colorado defenders could make. Yeah, I mean, I think they made, uh, they, they went out and played their game. I know, you know, they, they thought the matchups were good. They thought, you know, Colorado, unlike a lot of teams, is going to come up and probably play us man-to-man, and if we have, you know, we come out with the three wide receivers in the game, um, they're going to probably have to play nickel, and that's going to give us a lot of good matchups against their personnel. Uh, so you don't want to overstate the matchup thing first, you know, and, and foremost, and because um, you'd like to be able to see USC do that kind of independent of exactly what the matchups are, just because you would like to see other teams have to match up to Robert and Marquise and, and Xavier Grimble. I mean, it was just great to see that, you know, bootleg rollout uh, play in the end zone, you know, to Xavier in the end zone. You thought, oh, yeah, that's how they used to do it. Okay, that looks good. <laughs> you know, it just, you think, oh, kind of like that. You've almost forgotten. Um, it's one of those things you say, wow, that Robert, Robert Woods is really good. <laughs> 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 you know, because <laughs> last week, I mean, it, after the Washington game, Robert was talking about, well, last year when I used to be able to, you know, last year, well, it's nice and you can talk about this year. Right. So, so that was fun. Yeah. Uh, well, we got a lot of questions to get to, so let's, we'll try to jump into some of these. Uh, Tarion had a question and, and I like this one, Dan, because if you watched uh, USC senior safety, Drew McAllister, we put up a story of him. Uh, Saturday morning, and I, I'd like to say we gave him some good karma. He made a really nice yeah, interception. Timing. Yeah, interception in the end zone, recovered a fumble, made a big hit, and then defended a pass on a, a halfback option, I guess, play, you could say, where he, he jumped in the air and batted the ball away. It would have been a touchdown. Uh, but, a goal, yeah. Yeah. He's just terrific game. I mean, he's always been such a smart kid, and he's been knocked down. I mean, we always think if somebody on the practice field is, is laid out on the offense, you always look around to see where is Drew McAllister because he's got that really quick pop, you know, and he's just, he, you know, if, if he could have ever been really healthy the whole time, he's, you know, he's, 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 he's always where the ball is. You just got to love, uh, you know, everything about, you know, Drew McAllister. And what you also like is they figured out a way to, you know, run some three safety stuff now, it gets him on the field even more. And they've been getting him out there some, you know, uh, for Juanza where they, uh, you know, they were doing a lot more rotating. So uh, good for them. I, I think they've, they've uh, really done some nice things with the, you know, the defensive packaging. Yeah, Terrian, his question on that was, was there an indication from last week's practice that he was going to be used more Saturday? Did you, did you feel that at all? I thought they, I thought, 
I thought the rotation, yes, the wholesale substituting on some plays, that was interesting. <laughs> they did a nice – I mean, they were, I think the one play, I think I counted seven subs, like between second and third down. And I thought, wow, okay, I don't know if I've ever seen that. And Drew said that that he knew also the rotating. I don't even think he was ready. and They were all completely ready for how much personnel um, – you know, shifting and switching they would do. That's a really good sign. I mean, the more guys they think they've got ready to play, I mean, they aren't going to play you. That's the one thing about this staff. If they don't have confidence in you, you're not getting on the field. So uh, it's a kind of a neat thing when you see seven new guys running running out there in the middle of a, you know, a possession. Uh, pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I'm glad we could, uh, Drew's a great guy, so I'm glad he, had a big game. We did a there's a video interview with him up on uh, uscfootball.com too, and that story we wrote uh, Saturday morning. You can still see that up on the site. Um, there's a couple questions on George Farmer, and I don't know if, if you guys people a lot of people couldn't watch the game, Dan, but he did get a carry yeah. late in the game, and then they also Max Whittick threw a pass a little behind him. He could have caught it, but he didn't end up catching him. But uh, Percy and Joe both had Joe Farmer questions. I mean, uh, George Farmer questions. Uh, Joe wanted to know, is it time for Farmer to move back to the backfield to give us more speed in that, uh, at that position? He says, we have all these weapons. Why not use them? And then Percy was, he said, forgive me for being sour during a Kiffin blowout, but I have no idea why he put so much effort recruiting guys like George Farmer, who was a five-star kid coming out of high school. He did not have a catch even in garbage, even in garbage time. Please divulge, uh, what you can explain and why it seems to be that he's in the doghouse or is he just overrated when he was recruited? So some, some George Farmer questions for you, Dan. Well, yeah, you know, George got a lot of action. I mean, this is kind of stuff we can't talk about before the game. He got a lot of work in practice, a lot of game uh, stuff. Uh, he seems to be uh, uh, not, you know, unhappy with, uh, you know, maybe you would say the slow pace of his uh his development and, you know, uh, ability to find a position. There clearly have been some injuries that have, you know, held him up where he needed to be on the field every day. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if you're going to see kind of an evolution of George. It would be just foolish, I think, not to use him in, in like, a, you know, um, wide receiver uh, reverses or sweeps or things like that. I mean, he just it would just be silly not to do that and see where that leads. You know, I mean, this is a, a, an offense. It does have a lot of guys um, that can catch the football and run great patterns, have great acceleration, really smart. I mean, having Nelson Aguilar come along, I mean, I don't think they they knew they were going to get a Nelson Aguilar when they're recruiting George. And obviously with George last year, you know, it went back and forth as to where is the best place for George. I'm not sure we absolutely completely know. Uh, my thinking is with his skill set he's a a perfect example of kind of a hybrid guy uh with uh, the way his muscles work the way he uh you know moves in space and things like that his fine motor you know skills uh, his hands um, combination of hands and feet and things like that i think uh uh you know his ability to use both of those things in ways in which nobody, I mean, he's got the top, obviously the, the, the top end speed on this team that nobody has, but he's got to get out in space like he could do in high school to take advantage of that. Doesn't happen as much in college. So uh, I, I don't, I think it's probably unrealistic to look at his high school stuff and say, you know what, 
why isn't he doing that in college? I mean, in high school, too, go to a New Sarah basketball game, and he'd be out there, you know, power dunking basketball. Well, he wasn't going to transfer that to college either. Um, so I think his is just a, a more kind of, I don't know, you use the word nuanced or whatever, but his skill set probably didn't translate directly to college football the way the other guys did. And I don't know that it should necessarily be a you know comparison at, at all times. I think it just should be about George finding what's best for George and the staff finding what's best for George. And I thought you know running the sweep with George was was a wonderful move. I I, I was really glad to see that, and uh, I think that's uh, that's going to be in his future to some extent. But then you saw D.J. Morgan, you know, a kid with really quick bursts. You know, when people say well, we need more you know speed back there. Uh, you saw Buck Allen. I mean, they've got guys that got, you know, have some speed, too. Uh, I think one of the difficulties this year has been the fact that, you know, when you're only running 60-some plays a game, that's just not really enough to get all those guys involved. If you're running 90 like Arizona is, you got 30 more plays to get people involved. But then the thinking, you know, that USC has is they really are trying to marshal their personnel and get through the year without injuries so that when these big games come up, they've pretty much got almost everybody ready to go. So it's a difficult issue, and I'm not sure we should be making any, like, complete, absolute final judgments about anything or anybody at this point in time. Okay, well, that was George Farmer. There's also questions about uh, Nelson Aguilar, another five-star recruit coming in we've seen more of him though but uh this is from jay and alameda he says what do we know about nelson aguilar at this point in the season he hasn't had that many touches yet he's had some playing time do you think he will be used as an offensive weapon this year to complement the double teams on woods or lee or does he spend more time blocking and running routes to prep for next year it seems like he'd be more used more often in kick returns or to run the slant that's from jay and alameda yeah i think is they're going to keep trying to find ways to get him involved. They, they have so much confidence in him. There is an awful lot to be confident about. You know, he's a smart kid. Again, earning their confidence is really a key, and this is not something that happens easily or quickly or, or whatever. I mean, he probably had it, you know, when he got here. I think, you know, one of the things, again, it's the number of plays a game. There just aren't, you know, if you don't really have enough opportunities to get the ball to uh, – to uh, Marquise and uh, and Robert at times, or your tight ends at times, uh, or a Curtis McNeil, for example, uh, it's just as hard to get the ball to a really really talented freshman. Uh, but that doesn't you know change the fact that a he can do whatever probably they ask him to do and could step in for either of the starters and and you know have a pretty good uh, pretty good jump on uh, on on really you know, having a good game and feeling like you could go to him with pretty much anything you needed to go to him with. Uh, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, opportunities. I mean, he, he certainly gets them in practice, and uh, he certainly has, you know, the sense of not, you know, well, what are we going to get if we do this? They don't have any of that. They, they know what they've got in him. He knows what he can do. So I don't think it's, uh, uh, you know, obviously we wish people got to see him more. And it is the big downside of, uh, you know, of only getting 48 plays, for example. I mean, they were so darn efficient and effective 
you know, when you got three touchdowns on the board in five minutes or you've only had the ball 85 seconds and they had three touchdowns. They actually, you know, <laughs> off the clock they ran 85 seconds in that first quarter and they already had three touchdowns. Wow. There just weren't enough plays, you know. I mean, there were just not quite enough plays for uh, – you know, for everybody, to, you know, to get as many touches as, as this team has the ability to do. And that's one of the philosophical questions. Some people would say with this team, they would go to the talent and go to uh, running as many plays as they could run and take a chance on the injuries. Lane's made kind of the other decision, whether that's, you know, evolving as we get into the, you know, final five games of the regular season and all that, we'll see. It showed, yes, at least this week, what we thought they were doing and what they were doing was making the transition from how they played at Washington to how they played uh, for Colorado. And Lane said it wasn't just for Colorado. He wanted to just show that they could do that. Now, whether that means we carry that on through the rest of the year, do you try to go down to Arizona, a team that likes to get in shootouts and try to outshoot out, you know, Arizona, you know, a team that wants to run 90 plays and running more plays than anybody. Uh, well, we'll see. It's going to be, you know, that's uh, that's the stay tuned factor for the rest of the year. Where does USC take this uh, with, you know, two games coming up with, with Arizona and Oregon to, you know, hurry up offenses that really would like to get in, you know, shootouts with you. All right. Uh, let's go to let's go to voicemail. we got a voicemail question for you from our friend, Dan. Here you go. Hello, Ryan okay. and Mr. Webb. This is Garrett Witt. And the question this week is... How would you characterize uh, the impact of what Coach Kiffin uh, said to the team right before halftime after Mr. Williams was ejected from the game and what effect it had on the team um, for the remainder of the Colorado game? And then as I'm recording this, uh, then what effect it had on them uh, for today's practice? Uh, which has been uh, Monday. So hope everything's going well. Thank you. Again, this is Garrett Witt from St. Helena. Hope you guys have a nice day, and take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. And, again, we want to thank Garrett uh, for uh, always a really good question. It's a question I asked last night uh, to start off, and, and after Lane had said how much uh, all the good stuff they did, and I said, well, talk, let's talk about the penalties. Lane says, oh, right, it's just really good. First thing we get is the question about the penalties. And then he, he admitted he didn't just stop with what he, he did before he took him in at halftime. He said the entire halftime, never been through a halftime like that in his life, the entire halftime was just a gigantic rant about the penalties and the lack of discipline and calling it a disgrace and calling it a disgrace to the university and a disgrace to the former great USC players out there. And they just went nuts. He said, every coach that talked, that's all they talked about. He said, I've never been, he said, here we are leading 33 to six. And all we talked about at halftime was, uh, was the penalty situation. He said, and it was mostly the personal fouls that the lack of discipline on those penalties, I guess there were four of them. Uh, that just drove him over the edge. And, and you know, Leonard was the focus. Uh, Leonard apologized. You know, if and, you know, it's a story that you hear is, you know, he got spit on. It's a hard lesson. You just have to, you know, do you grab the guy and, you know, say, hey, don't ever do that again, or do you, what do you do? But 
you can't just swing at him. You did, and and he knows that. And it, you know, you would hope that they would take that into consideration. But you know, um, when the um, Pac-12 was looking at it today, uh, but uh, what you would like to also know is, and maybe what Lane said also after <laughs> last night, he said maybe we've hit the bottom, rock bottom. Maybe that's where you got to go. You know, it's uh, and 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 certain. Uh, of these um, kind of, uh, I guess, uh, you know, various kinds of uh, dependency issues and all of that kind of thing. They say uh, you can't correct them until you've absolutely hit rock bottom. Well, they've hit rock bottom. They're number 120 out of 120. They're the worst penalized team. They're the most penalized team in the country. And uh, maybe that's what it takes uh, for everybody. I don't know. Uh, they kind of have stopped running laps at practice. I'm all, I should have probably asked the question, what about running laps at the game? And everybody <laughs> thinks it's a penalty. You got to run a lap around the Coliseum. I don't know. I don't know where they go with this. It's that bad. It's almost overwhelming. Uh, uh, but I think it's it's something they're going to be thinking about it in a different way the rest of the week from where they have been previously. Now they brought in officials for the first time last week. They could only get three. That's the downside of having practice in the morning. There are so very few college. Uh, uh, you know, ability, college-level officials available. Most of those guys have, you know, teaching, coaching, you know, professional kind of jobs that they're just not around, you know, at 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, So uh, they haven't been able to, you know, use officials at practice, Uh, whether that's a factor or not. uh, But maybe we'll see some new new thinking this week. But uh, I think the other thing they said, Garrett, was that – the, the captains and the team leaders really got involved with them because I asked Colin after the, the game, you know, when does that happen? When do the team leaders just sort of take over and say, look, this is totally unacceptable. We, we just, you can't do this to your teammates. Uh, cannot. And the, the difficult thing was last week at Washington, it was offensive penalties. This week it was a lot of defensive penalties. So that it wasn't like any one thing. They got rid of the false starts with the no huddle and, quick offense, although Lane said he didn't think that was the case, that was the reason why, but they disappeared. Uh, but a whole lot of other things appeared in their place. So uh, don't know how to affect practice. I don't think Lane does. He said he doesn't have a theory as to why is this happening. Um, but uh, I think I think it'll be different. I don't know. I don't know, Garrett, if I can tell you exactly how or, or why. All right, uh, Melvin had a question on penalties, too, so hopefully that answered his question there. Um, let's go to David. Uh, he says, I noticed there's a lot of controversy at left tackle. Andre Walker seems like a great fit with his strength, with his size and strength, but maybe with uh, lack of practice or missing most of the spring and summer practice, do you feel that Max Wittick uh, maybe has better technique at the position, or is, is he just lack in size? Do you think that Walker would be a better fit at guard or, or, or Turek a better fit at guard? I think one of the un, unstated issues with, with uh, Andre is he, he really had never played on the left side on any kind of a position, and I still don't get the sense that his stance with the left hand down or even when he's up in, you know, in the, you know, the upright uh, stance, he just doesn't look as comfortable on that left side. And having missed, I think, I, I think now we know – it really hurt him to miss all the August practice that he missed. That was really difficult for him. Um, I think the thing that you, you did like about Tur- Max Turk is 
he played a lot of different positions. He moved around. He moved around here, you know, at USC. And I think he just seems, you know, more comfortable in doing more, you know, kinds of things. The way he, uh, you know, uh, took over the uh, tight end, you know, role and, and got good, you know, graded out well for the Washington game. So uh, you have to think that uh, that Max may be more suited for that with his feet. I think his feet help him a lot. Uh, in that in that case, where you want to just basically maintain contact with, very often you're you're up against a, a, a rush end. You're not playing against some big, you know, big 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 guy. Now he's you know he's gotten his weight back up to 280 after kind of going down really uh, farther than I think he or anybody else wanted to see him go in that kind of adjusting to college life and all that kind of thing. But uh, but yeah, I think his future might be more there, uh, and I think you know, is it chance Andre's future might be at another spot? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's possibly uh, you know the case. Uh, uh, he looks like you know he's a force straight ahead, and uh, I just think the right right hand left hand on the ground is really an issue with him. Uh, some guys just don't look like they get the same kind of quickness and and release and force when they've got their left hand. Uh, to the ground when it's their off opposite hand. And um, uh, anyway, that, that's just kind of like some guys, it doesn't matter at all. They, they can do either one. It doesn't matter whether they're right-handed or left-handed, where they played. And some guys it does. And Andre might be one of those guys that it just doesn't seem to, it just isn't the way he sees the world necessarily so much on the left side. Uh, let's go back to voicemail, Dan. Here's a Here's a quick one for you. Hello, podcast. Uh, my question is, uh, I was looking through my 2012 uh, guide, and I think this next win, if that's the seventh win, would be 800 total for USC uh, football history. Just wanted to check with you guys. Of course, I'm not counting the uh, vacated ones because the NCAA is a joke. Thanks, guys, and fight on. I'll be honest with you, once they started all the NCAA asterisk stuff, I think I've kind of tossed out all the whole thought of, of numbers. I think they're, they're, they've become kind of irrelevant because people say, well, is that like real games or is that the games that were played or does that reflect, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if the other team doesn't get the win, if you didn't cheat, for example, so that you won a game you weren't supposed to win, uh, and so the win doesn't go to the other team. Somebody had to win the game. Play the game. Somebody won. If you say, "Well, you can't count that game," I'm not counting them. I'm just not counting them all at all. I, so, uh, where that is in terms of the numbers, I think I couldn't put that farther down on my list of things to even think about because, well, is that the real 800 or is that the you know, the one with the asterisk and all that. And I'm just not going there. That's, that's all. I'm just, cause then you've got to explain it. Well, yes, he really won this many games, but <laughs> cause of the, da, da, da. no, not going to do that. Yeah. The, the official release that, that, that Tim Tesla on the SID sent out did say it's 799. They're going for 800, but I, I assume the real number, like Dan said, I think whatever, how many games were 
fourteen or fifteen or something, so it's probably like eight hundred fourteen. Uh, but yeah, what and, the and release so is now is saying seven hundred. discussion of, yeah, it's like a you know it's like it's written by a lawyer or something you know and right. it's just I'm sorry it just I just can't go there. Nice. So they won a lot of games there in the top ten like you know where they belong probably and that's that's good enough for me. <laughs> Okay, uh, we got one last one for you, Dan. This is from Fast Eddie. He said, I was really glad we attacked the middle of the field against Colorado in the passing game. It was open like it has been for most of the season. Do you think Coach Kiffin now realizes that uh, he realizes that and will use that part of the field more often, or is that just a one-game fluke? And we'll go back to the bubble screen, five-yard passes to the sidelines against Arizona. I was also glad to see we got Devon Flournoy, his first reception of the season. Hope we start sharing the wealth around this amazing group of wideouts that this team has, including George Farmer, who we obviously already talked about. Uh, Fast Eddie. Well, Fast Eddie, I'm not sure Coach Kevin would agree with you. I think, and and uh, I think they basically saw that here's Colorado; they're going to come up, and they're just still going to play us man a lot of the time. And thank you, Colorado. They just don't, you know, they don't do a lot of zone. And with three wide receivers in, Colorado's going to probably have to play a nickel man. And so USC kind of felt they had an advantage almost wherever they went with the ball uh, and whoever they went with it, you know, too. Uh, most teams aren't going to do that. Now, if, you know, if you said, well, everybody from now on is going to play them the way Colorado played them, it wasn't so much, you know, just the personnel situation. It was how Colorado played them. Most teams haven't allowed USC to kind of do that in terms of, of just allowing USC to come up and run the plays. And blah, blah, blah. Now, I think, you know, my feeling is more USC can force the action and go to their strengths more and, uh, and, and not give in, and I don't say that in a really totally negative way, but not give in to the coverage and not totally be a counterpuncher. I would like to see USC force other defenses, even whether they're playing – you know, cover two with the safeties, you know, you know, clouding the, you know, the wide receivers and all that kind of thing. I would, uh, I kind of like USC to try to approach it more the way they did Saturday than the way they did against Stanford or Washington or whatever and concede some things. But uh, I don't think they would agree, the coaches would agree that it was just discovering the middle of the field or discovering, you know, Oh, we can throw the ball again. A lot of it was, you know, the matchup with Colorado. Now, Lane said it wasn't all that. He said they wanted to come out and show that they could really throw the ball on this game, this day, and for all kinds of reasons that we know. They were back home. They had the big records uh, sitting there waiting to be gotten and all that kind of thing. And they needed, after the Washington game, obviously everybody needs kind of a pick-me-up. But, uh, uh, I don't. I think that's one of the really interesting questions: is where what does this do in terms of the philosophy for the rest of the year? There are some of us who might wonder: is this more of an NFL approach, where basically every week is kind of you try to take advantage of the on the margins of what the other team gives you, or do you take you know an, an approach where you say, you know what, we got way better receivers than they got secondary guys. We don't care what defense they're in; we're going to make them adjust to us. We'll see. I mean, that's that's been kind of the the issue here, uh, and they they probably hit it way wrong in the in the Stanford game, and it's sort of in a you know state of flux a little bit here in terms of you know where does this USC team uh, 
you know, come down uh, on all these games that really, really matter. Which, uh, what USC team shows up? Good question. Stay tuned. Yeah, stay and, tuned. And uh, try to find, uh, if, if any of them are on the Pac-12 network, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one last thing, Dan, before we let you go. I just wanted to get your thoughts uh, where this team is heading into Arizona, the last real road game outside of Los Angeles. Obviously a, a, a tough team, team that runs a lot of plays, like you mentioned a top five offensive team, certainly different than Colorado. Where do you think USC is now heading into this game? Well, I think that's, as it's a really good question. I mean, on, on my, you know, projected schedule, this was the trap game always, no matter how, I didn't know, you know, it's before the season, before they played a game. This was the one I said, I don't know. Uh, I know they had great success two years ago going down there and just taking the ball away. And, you know, that was a pretty good Arizona team. And they just gave the ball to Mark Tyler, like, 40 times or whatever it was, and they didn't let Arizona in that game. They basically said, we're not going to let you play. And the Arizona crowd kind of just sat there and went, oh, no, they're not going to let us play. They're going to keep the ball the whole time. Now, I know there are people who say that was not a good thing necessarily because they thought they could also do that against Notre Dame and uh, two years ago and didn't exactly work. So, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I really, I really don't know. Did they go in? And I tried to ask Lane last night, and, and didn't completely give an answer. Do you go in and say, "Hey, we're just we got to score, you know, forty-five, fifty points, and we should be okay if they're hot or not hot or whatever. We'll be okay." I don't. I, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I really. I'm not sure. I know on defense. I know USC. They allowed. You know, even though they didn't let them score a touchdown, they allowed Colorado to run 85 plays. And they made, you know, they, they forced them into six turnovers or didn't force all of them, but they forced a lot of them. Uh, and I don't know if you can depend totally on forcing turnovers. I'd like to force them to punt, third, you know, third down, stop them. I mean, I, I, I'm not crazy about, you know, they gave them six third down conversions Saturday. That's probably too many uh, for a team like Colorado. And you can't give Arizona that many, I don't think. So, uh, uh, but, you know, from my standpoint, you would think you're going to take the matchup of, our, you know, USC's offense is, is far superior to Arizona's defense, especially against the pass. They won't be able to get to Matt, you, you have to project, and that he'll have time to throw the ball, and you can throw the ball deep, and you can really, uh, you can really put up some points. And then you have to give them bad plays with the defense and really force them to punt the ball. Uh, that's that would be that would be my thinking. I think USC set up that they could do that. I'm not sure they they will do that uh, uh, on defense. I don't know. I watched a lot of NFL games yesterday, and I watched a lot of teams score point score in the last two minutes. I mean, a lot of the games yesterday you saw both teams score in the last two minutes, drive the field, score. And I'm thinking, man, what this NFL philosophy. I'm not so sure about the way they play end of the game on defense. Doesn't seem to stop anybody. Uh, so that's that's kind of you know I, I would like to see USC just go after them both ways. You know, say our personnel is better than yours. We can do more things well than you can do, and uh, and we'll let that we'll see what happens uh, rather than trying to be too smart by half and trying to figure out all the margins and all the all the angles and just kind of turn it over to your players and say go get them boys anyway 
Yeah. That's my thinking. Yeah, it makes sense, Dan. All right, well, <laughs> great. St- but we don't know what we don't know that. That's no. why it's you know <laughs> stay tuned. Twelve uh, thirty early, uh, bright and sunny, and it's on ESPN and ABC. We'll see how that how that breaks down, but uh, you will be able to watch it. Yeah, it could be hot out there in the desert. We'll have to see how USC plays. Hot or cold, I don't know. Um, all right, Dan. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. It's always great to get your insights of what's going on. Enjoy the rest of your week and enjoy the trip to Tucson. We'll talk to you next week. And I guess the key is, will we enjoy practice Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday? There we, we, go. <laughs> we shall see. Thank you for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Enjoy your week, and we'll talk to you all next week on the show. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.